0: really something. So many saints have come from so many areas. And, uh, uh, I don't know what the number is, so we have a good number here today. And uh, of course, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, as Ron just walked in, uh, uh, he, he said, what, what do we do?
1: <laughs> and,
0: uh, actually, the same question occurred to me as I was sitting here. You know, Uh, frankly I thought it wouldn't be that I just thought we'd have a handful of saints here so praise the Lord we're all here together in this kind of fellowship Um, uh, one thing that Brother Ron has made clear in coming here is he's not here with any kind of agenda uh, just here to be with us and to be in the fellowship and uh, and so uh, there's no preconceived idea, there's no message or anything like this. This is just the time for us to come together and be in a fellowship together. So uh, if any have uh, something they want a fellowship or uh, even a question or anything like that, there's a good opportunity. But um, maybe we could just get started because we don't have much time. So if anybody has something on their heart they just want to share for all of us, maybe Ron does, I don't know. But... Uh, Anyway, let's just open it up for some fellowship.
2: Well, I just wanted to share that we I had a glorious new beginning here uh, with the first baptism this past Lord's Day, and uh, here in the church in Boston. And it was really a body matter. I was really touched at in our vital group meeting, uh, just through a lot of prayers and coordination all of us you know, there this morning, uh, before the Lord in prayer and that this one would be baptized and uh, so as a matter of fact uh, this sister has a she came to us, she was not a sister she lived in, with my wife and I and uh, just through our living uh, expressing Christ you know and, and uh, a little bit of speaking in the home she received the Lord, and uh, then she started coming to our Friday night meetings, and during the Friday night meetings, the saints just cared for her. The ones her age, they just stepped up to the plate, you know, and they just uh, invited her to come for lunches at BU, because she's a student at BU, and caring for her, and then eventually. A sister and a brother spoke to her about baptism at a Friday night meeting. And so it was just a body matter, you know, just a vital group coming together to bring forward, you know. So uh, the result was that we did have our first baptism right here Last Lord's Day. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Peter Thrasher from the Church of North Providence.
3: Amen. I, I, just, I, I was the same thing as, well, what do we share? What do we share in a meeting like this? But, you know, I, and in my prayer time with Peter this morning, the Lord just touched me after the prayer. He said, just bring a wild olive branch. And I just wanted to share that there's a lot of dry ground in North problems. And there's a lot of dry ground in 184 power street where all college age stands the
1: dry ground is appearing everywhere and uh it's just such an enjoyment uh, to live such a wonderful church life
3: and uh, have such an incredible ministry that we all enjoy and appreciate so much uh, the brothers from middleborough and the brothers from North providence uh, we've been coordinating and blending together uh, in a wonderful, miraculously normal way. <laughs> and um, we're all looking forward to this week, all of us. Um, we decided to not have a meeting on the Lord's Day to come to the conference and try and get as many college students and young people as we can uh, to come to these meetings uh, this upcoming week. Mm. So I
4: just wanted to say hello. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
3: Praise the Lord. You're welcome. And,
2: uh, it's good to see you. Amen. Okay. Amen. Hey Ron, um, I have a question for you. Actually, we have a question for you. Um, this is Jamie. Uh, he's a student at UMass Boston. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, the question that, that we had um, has to do with uh, some of the classes that Jim is taking um, this, this semester at UMass Boston. And um, in our time together, um, we are just being dealing with this matter of the truth. And of course, in some of his classes, uh, many professors will present things that from based uh, based on on science that seem to uh, contradict or even oppose some of the things that um, are presented in the Bible. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with scientific or philosophical facts that seem to contradict what the Bible presents? And if so, how do we know that what the Bible shares with us is historical fact and not just perhaps just allegory or metaphor?
4: (laughs) I noticed the word seems in your sharing. I speak personally, okay? I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a professional apologist or anything like that. My personal view is I'm not afraid of any truth. Of any truth. Um, I don't happen to believe that it is a truth that the universe created itself How can a non-existent it create itself? So I do not consider that a truth. But any established truth that science can bring forth, I'm not afraid of. God is the source of all truth, and He does not contradict Himself. I, uh, I wonder this for a professor in a certain department to present physical reality as he knows it makes sense. For a professor to be on a crusade to shake the faith of others is in another realm. Uh, I would call it satanic. That, that is an agenda. Now let's just take, like in the question you sent to me about anthropological evidence about Neanderthals and hominids and whatever. Uh, The position that many of us take regarding this, we would make clear, is a minority view so we acknowledge this in the beginning it's a minority view among Christians it's a minority view among everybody and we take this position not to try to reconcile science in the Bible but to be true to the scriptures itself Okay, the earth is billions of years old what Genesis 1 is concerned about is one verse devoted to the initial creation by God through his word from nothing then the second verse points to a catastrophe that led to an interval of unknown duration and I personally believe that all the so-called evolutionary evidence pointing to life developing aeons ago is from that primeval time that the Bible does not address so what we have in Genesis one is really God's restoration and further creation for the fulfillment of his purpose I cannot agree with those theologians who dogmatically insist on a young earth I simply cannot believe that the universe is only 6,000 years old and to Required that of a thoughtful young person I think is to place a stumbling block before them. There have been many instances uh, and I'm not fresh in this where certain claims were made about historical events as being impossible But lo and behold archaeology and, and other uh, endeavors have brought forth evidence that Questions that I feel the crucial matter really, uh, and we are now uh, okay. Before I comment on this, sometime last year in Western Massachusetts, there was a conference. It was written about in a magazine I subscribed to, uh, and. The purpose of this conference, with all the brains, especially from this particular area and other parts, was to consider how we're going to convince the whole society that we're all everything would be explained by biology and physics. Everything. And during the course of this seminar, they had to address an apostate among them who has written a book called The Mind and the Cosmos. He is a philosopher from NYU and the subtitle of his book is How the Naturalistic Neo-Darwinian View of the Universe is Almost Certainly False. (laughs) <laughs> and these supposedly unbiased persons cannot tolerate, cannot countenance any challenge to their particular position. The, where I'm going with this is the real issue is God. Right. God is. Oh God. If you believe that God is, and that God has certain. Attributes he is omniscient, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent he is a god of purpose. then certainly such a god can inspire a written document that at the very least is trustworthy concerning the revelation of himself and of his purpose and of his way of salvation for humankind mm. Uh, I leave to those in past generations who want to write a doctoral dissertation on whether a hare is actually chewing the cud or not. (laughs) Okay? Uh, And and say, oh, it appears to be chewing the cud, but it's not chewing the cud, therefore the Bible's false, therefore there's no God. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I am prepared to admit I cannot resolve all of these secondary problems but I press the primary matter is there God? is there God? right and if there's God and he's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent then is it not possible for this God to inspire a written text that at least in the matters of the divine truth are are Absolutely trustworthy. So, this is an initial response. You know, I'm not an expert on this. I just will not go into the endless uh, debate about science versus religion. There are experts in this field. I just reiterate what I said in the beginning I'm not afraid of truth. Mm -hmm. But I'm very simple when it comes to science. I'm, I'm no scientist. I somehow have the impression that scientists have, an, have a hypothesis. Then they formulate a theory. Then they conduct experiments. Then they do tests and analyze their results. And these kind of tests can be repeated and verified ad infinitum. You know, maybe they are in the... The Hadron Collider in Switzerland, maybe they're going to replicate the Big Bang. I'm waiting for the proof. I'm waiting for the evidence that this is, in fact, how it happened. But I was in a graduate seminar uh, when, to cope with my second midlife crisis, I decided to go to graduate school part-time for fun. (laughs) and kind of work my way through this with the help of my daughter's encouragement. And I'm in this seminar, and here's this brilliant young student saying casually, the universe created itself. Okay, there's nothing. So there's no it. Right. Then how can there be an it that created itself if you say the The universe developed itself, the universe expanded itself, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. To say the universe created itself makes no sense. This thought, the next thought does not originate with me. But I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I just have enough faith to believe that God is. I just don't have the faith to believe there is nothing, no space, no time, no matter, no elements, no physical laws, nothing. Then boom, there is everything. When over billions of years, we all somehow mysteriously came into being without any kind of guidance. I just don't have the faith and the credulity to believe in this, the latest 21st century mythology. I'm going to be a fool and believe that God is. Amen. So this is a response, Amen. maybe more with passion than with intellect. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But the basic thought is we don't have to be afraid of the demonstrated facts. That's why it latched on the word seems. We have to be careful what the Bible is actually saying, not what it's reputed as saying. What is it actually revealing? What are we called upon to believe? What is science actually what has it actually proved and presented? And I sincerely believe when we get into the depths of this there'll be no contradiction. Okay? This a little sidebar. I, I order books for the Living Stream Research Library, I've been doing this for decades and I've been interested in the productions of certain atheists one atheist in France wrote a book on Atheist Spirituality how can an atheist have spirituality when there's no spirit, how can there be spirituality anyway so so You want to go in a very different direction? Is there something in your heart you would like fellowship about? Mm.
1: Uh,
4: Of course.
0: Um, Wonderful experience here with the training being here in Boston. Um, We're kind of new at this. What is the experience of the church life and the training being together, sharing space, time,
1: burden, and so forth? What
4: do we have to look forward to? Uh, I'll give you a background like this. And I have to be specific. Uh, And the first doesn't involve the training, it involves the coordination between the ministry and the church. Mm. For a period of time in Anaheim, it was a disaster. Mm. It was a disaster. There was no harmony, no one accord. There literally was a wall in the meeting hall separating where the church in Anaheim met and where the living stream would have its gatherings. Then twice a year the wall would come down to create space. I won't go into the specifics, This has nothing to do with Brother Lee, but with other persons. Then I moved to Irving, Texas, and entered into a realm of absolute harmony and peace between the ministry and the work. So now you're here in this situation, and actually both the ministry and the work are involved with the training, and then you have the church. The key to the harmony is to realize something simple yet very deep. The church, the ministry, and the work all take the body as the governing principle. The church is the body in expression. The ministry is the body in function. The work is the body seeking increase. So there is an intrinsic oneness between all three if we all recognize the governing principle of the body. So the church, the ministry, and the work cannot be separate, but they are distinct And this distinction needs to be upheld, especially when you have a common facility, which they had in Irving, and now which they have in Anaheim, where things are peaceful. Mm -hmm. Then, on the one hand we realize we're all involved with the one goal to build up the body of Christ, But there needs to be some kind of boundary where the church can have the freedom and the opportunity to carry out its activities, its meetings, its care for the children, whatever it is. And it seems from the layout and the design of the building, uh, we might even be meeting in that portion which the church meetings are held, I don't know. But then there are other parts of the building that are not related to the church function, but are related to the training, which involves the ministry and the work. And so although these are not separate, they are distinct. The distinction needs to be maintained or there will be confusion. Now, I realize this the next comment may lead to perplexity but sometimes it's unavoidable there is a huge problem in the outworking of all this apart from personalities if all the personalities are willing to take the way of the cross and relate to one another in a spirit of fellowship there won't be any problem Okay, The body is the governing principle of the church, the ministry, and the work. But what happens if hardly anyone knows the body? Then what happens? We have a theology, we have a doctrine of the body being the governing principle of the church, the ministry, and the work. But if co-workers, I start there, full-timers, elders, leading ones, are not in the fourth stage of the experience of life, they do not know the body, they cannot discern what is of the body and what is not of the body, then how will this ever be worked out? So for this to be worked out on one level, the practical level, we need a common understanding, which I believe you have from the very beginning. And I believe there is peace and mutual regard. I don't sense anything contrary to this. But for this to be worked out at the deepest level, more and more saints have to really know the body. And when you know the body, or are coming to know the body, and I would say, okay, then you have a sense you have feeling that you don't have as an individual. Now recently, I became aware of a communication that was forwarded to me from a certain place to another place asking, do the brothers in your place, do they have a concern or a problem with what's going on in our place? And the brothers could honestly say, No. But another answer was welling up within me. And I know if it would be spoken, the brothers would be clueless. And the answer is the brothers don't have any problem, the brothers don't have any concern, but there is a feeling of concern in the body. That is just a fact. Just as in our physical body, when, you know, I don't know the physiology, when the central nervous system and the brain understands there's a problem somewhere, there's feeling. And because there's feeling, the body immediately responds to care for that. There's no criticism, there's no judgment, there's no opinion, but there's feeling. But if we were to say this to the brothers in this country where probably no one knows the body they would have no idea what you're talking about. Because the view of the church life in this situation is 100% physical. And the church is physical. Look at us here in a literal building on chairs distinct human beings with bodies in space and time. But if that's all we see and if that's all we live in we will never fulfill God's purpose. It will need another generation entirely. Because the goal of the Lord's recovery in this age is the building up of the body of Christ as the preparation of the bride. Mm. So this is obviously a substantial discourse in response to the sister's question. So let me simplify. The answer on a practical level is that there is harmony and fellowship between those serving in the training and those bearing responsibility in the church so that any matter affecting either can be brought into fellowship and anything and everything can be resolved through genuine fellowship. And I believe there is such a situation. But on the deepest level eventually we need to grow to the point where we know the body and therefore one part of the body is not going to interfere with the function of another part in the ministry and the work, the body and function, the body seeking increase will have the highest regard for the church as the expression of the body practically and then if we live here we will be able to have a profound peace on the positive side and I've had reason to muse upon this in recent weeks Beverly has said emphatically, all problems are caused by not knowing the body, not honoring the body, and not caring for the body. In another place, and this is in a message I prepared for an elders' training in recent years on the consciousness of the body. Mm. And that point is, when one cultivates the sense of the body, One can detect problems in the body. So in every church, in every sphere of the work and of the ministry, we need sisters. I'm mentioning sisters ahead of brothers. Because if in their depth of spiritual experience they come to this level, they will offer a lot of preemptive and protective prayers over the situation. Mm -hmm. But we will be able to detect friction to detect problems, then right away under the headship of Christ we'll have the leading how to take care of it. So just, whatever you're doing here, just keep doing it. Because it's really sweet. It's really peaceful. When I moved from what was then Anaheim, not the Anaheim since 1989... But the Anaheim prior to 1989, when I moved from there to Irving, being in both the ministry and the church and also in the work, I was in another realm. What kind of peace is this? Mm. What smoothness is this? What oneness? What one accord is this? Mm. Why is this? Well, it's because certain brothers, Brother Benson and others, They're very clear on what the church is, what the ministry is, what the work is, and can oversee and shepherd the church and shepherd all the saints into a proper realization. It was very beautiful. Sister, did I help or did I bring about (laughs) perplexity? Okay. (laughs)
5: I'm now working at MIT, so I have a Bible study with my colleagues. So they, they are not in the local church, but they are Christians uh, for a long time. So they are also open to read the Bible them. So we, we set up a time to read the Bible every week, and we, we, have, we have been doing this for a few months. So we are we are halfway in the book of Romans, and we read the Recovery Version, and. With the footnotes, so so they are pretty faithful to, to do this every week. And but somehow I find that um, even after a few months of uh, reading the recovery version, they um, they you say uh, They just couldn't touch the spirit. When they say we have three parts of the, they they agree with what footnotes say. Like at least outwardly. Like we don't we don't fight against the uh, about the But somehow they just never have the response that like I expect, like they can touch their spirit, they uh, they will um, I, I don't know how to say, just just always um, I just don't don't think there's a an inward turn in them to touch the world they, they, they gained some knowledge. Okay, now uh, we do know we, we have a better understanding of the verses. But uh, uh, I don't know how to express this. They, they, they just cannot still still uh, they just cannot touch the spirit. Even in the prayer I can still feel that they, they didn't get it. And and uh, as time goes, I feel the Bible study is becoming like, a, like a more and more dry, like there's no anointing. I, and I don't know how to continue. And I don't know how to help, help them to go on. Uh, because I, I, at the beginning, I, I believe uh, all the truth are in the footnote, in the, in the Bible. I don't want to say anything by myself. Let's just read the Bible verse by verse, footnote by footnote. I'm sure the Word, uh, the law, and do the Word, speak to them. <coughs> they, will, they will touch something. As we have done this for. So
4: what is the goal of having this Bible, your goal in having the Bible study?
5: Uh, I want to help them to, to know the truth, touch the Spirit, and they will appreciate the Bible, the footnote, and okay. the ministry.
4: So that's the goal. Then we need to measure the goal with the actual result. And I may be overstating this. is dryness and death. Right? The deadness, dryness. That's the actual result. They're not touching the spirit. Right? So, I mean, I don't know what to do. We have to... We do do everything with a purpose. If we just want others to uh, understand the footnotes and have an objective understanding of things, and we're successful. We cannot, with believers, have any intention of proselytizing. This is a very important principle in our work, Brother Lee even once proclaimed openly. Anyone who makes an issue of the church is not our co-worker. So our motive is simple and pure. We love all the believers. We receive the believers. We are prepared to receive from them what they have of the Lord. And we will share with them life and truth. But we do not have the aim of trying to proselytize them, trying to persuade them to leave their group and to meet with us so the goal is very clear and I'm just speaking in principle if what we are doing is not reaching the goal then maybe we, we need to consider whether this is a, a good activity or not whether it's really useful or not I don't know what your relationship is with these participants if there might be one-on-one conversation with one or more of them and you pick up on a verse like Romans 1.9 or Romans 8.4 and you just say, Brother, what does it mean to you to walk according to spirit? Or Romans 8.16, what is your realization of the spirit witnesses with our spirit? I mean, I don't want to be hard, but I feel if it's not yielding the result, we should question how long this should continue. And, I, and that, that I can't do for you. I would never presume to do that. And so we want the believers to know the truth and to touch life, and then we trust in life and truth to shepherd them along that's fine but our goal cannot be to proselytize this needs to be part of our testimony we never steal your sheep we know the sheep are in the fold we don't go in there and rustle sheep the good shepherd he has the right to call them by name and let him call them by name and bring them out to the pasture we will not make an issue of this. I'm not suggesting that you are, but I believe the goal has to be clearly defined. And we need to consider from time to time, does the result match the intention? Yes. Yes.
1: He said there are three ways to I
5: guess shepherd somebody or listen to somebody one the first level will be to listen to somebody what they tell you Um, the second level to listen to what they are not telling you and the third level is to listen to what their spirit is telling you Um, I'm having trouble with the first level already so (laughs) how (laughs) do I just listen to what your spirit is saying I, I don't know how to listen
4: in other words This is a wonderful question. I don't expect there will be a wonderful answer. Okay. We owe this to Brother Ni and the character of God's worker, right? Okay. Hearing is deeper than seeing. We owe that to the life study of Revelation. He who has an ear... Let him hear. Mm-hmm. And the problem with listening is our subjectivity. It's our self. It is quite a strenuous strenuous activity to listen to someone with concentration and not allow things to be going on in your being, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what it triggers off in you, what you're prepared to say in response. Right. So I would say it depends on the depth that the Lord has gained in our being. Hmm. And so on the first level, if our subjectivity is touched to some degree, we can listen. And so we understand what they're saying. But we're not able to sense what they're not saying. And what they're not saying is more important than what they're saying. So in order for us to have that perception, the cross needs to go much deeper than to be able to hear what their spirit is saying. Just the self is, is gone in this regard and you're able to hear the cry, the longing, the seeking, the desperation, the pain, the loneliness, whatever it is in the depths of their being. And so this is not a skill we can learn in, uh, from any book how did Brother Knee learn it? I believe if we consider this in the context of what he shared with us, that it's our subjectivity and all the things that are going on within us. That's why, even in conversation, somebody says something we say, Very good, like in John, sorry, in Acts 21, Paul is there, he said, to share what the Lord has been doing through his ministry, James said, very good. Now let me tell you about all the thousands of Jews that believe. He's just full of, full of himself. So to, to listen is actually a very deep exercise. Mm-hmm. And from, from another angle, and I somewhat learned this a little bit, after decades of married life okay what did I what am I beginning to learn okay when I want to share something to my wife I'm very clear of the points so here they are when a wife says these weighty words we need to talk <laughs> we need to understand there is no we there and so my wife needs to talk and I'm waiting for the points and there ain't no points and so then I discover if I will listen and say nothing not roll my eyes not sigh not check my blackberry but listen Oh. that will draw out her spirit and she will arrive at the point. Okay, I remember one time, it may have been the first time I ever did this when it was all over. She felt, you love me, but I did nothing. That is precisely the point. <clears throat> so th- this is a very, very important key to our service to be heard the sense of being heard by someone this is unspeakably precious that you open your being and really you're not expecting an answer but you have the sense this member of the body they have heard me They understand what I'm trying to communicate. That in itself brings in quite a supply. Now, since you asked the question, if you had the sense that you would like the Lord to develop this capacity in you, then surely you should pray. But you need to receive the grace to be willing to, to pay the price the self has to be emptied out so that we are calm quiet focused attentive and then we begin to hear on all these levels I hear what you're saying now I hear what you're not saying and you're not saying it because you're afraid to say it. And then, deeper than that, I hear what your spirit is saying. Then when it's our time in the mutuality of fellowship to say something, then we address all three levels. And the other party may not even realize If I were with Brother Ni and I were opening up something in my heart to him I would eventually realize and trust in this in this matter you know me better than I know myself and I trust you with this knowledge of me that you will use it in love to minister Christ to me you won't use it to attack me so this is I've never been asked such a question a wonderful question and at least it's a response Um, but I I feel quite peaceful about how I responded to you does it make sense? it doesn't come as a surprise does it? as soon as I mentioned subjectivity I saw the the knowing grin over there (laughs) we're all the same sister (laughs) it's just a matter of degree
3: I think, Ron, you may have given the answer uh, already in Brother Lee's long history. I think at uh, one point he said that shepherding was my most important work. Uh, Why did he say that?
4: I believe he said that in the crystallization study of the Gospel of John. Okay, I'm not being flipped. He said... Shepherding was the most important aspect of his ministry because shepherding was the most important aspect of his ministry, and that he realized that something is accomplished through one on one shepherding to care for a member that can never be done in a conference, in a training or in any other setting. that we know that there is a brother he died of colon cancer maybe a decade ago in victory. He was one of the most difficult persons we've ever met in the Lord's recovery in the U.S., powerful self. Not meeting for ten years or more. Brother Lee personally shepherded him. Had him over to his house for lunch again and again. And Brother Lee recovered him through his shepherding. So if one spends a major part of his serving life doing this, even though you release messages that enlighten so many thousands of saints and you release the high peak of the divine revelation and you complete the unprecedented life study of the scriptures, there's a sense within that the most precious and effective part of my service the shepherding the saints in a personal way. Mm. And I would never in any way put myself in the same category as Brother Lee. But I'm arriving at the same conclusion. Mm. Even, it's almost encapsulated in my schedule for this week I will spend twice as much time in one-on-one fellowship than I will in giving messages. And I would be content to spend the whole week just with being with saints in little groups, meetings like this, not knowing what we're going to do, at least I didn't know, (laughs) or one-on-one. Because this is where the personal needs are addressed often in a life changing way life changing in 1970 april phoenix were actually mesa arizona my wife and i and daughter were receiving hospitality in the same place as brother lee so a few of us are at the table at lunch. I had a question about a spiritual matter. I thought, Brother Lee will surely answer my question. And he, he didn't give the answer I expected. He spoke one sentence. He said, Spirituality is a body matter. Wow. I'm not exaggerating that has changed my life. For years I couldn't touch it. Eventually it was time to touch it. And now I'm beginning to understand what it means to say spirituality is a body matter. Do you know what it means? It means spirituality is a body matter. If he had given me some kind of saying, well, okay, the the breaking of the outer man is this. And once the outer man is broken and the soul and spirit are divided and then the spirit flows forth like this and the faculties of the soul interact with the flowing spirit, that wouldn't have meant much. But to sense what was behind my question. Wow. What was the need of the person asking the question? how he could care for the person more than the question. That's why he said that. Now, just a little footnote to this. I don't know where this is. Is it in the elders' management of the church? I don't know. But this is one thing that is more and more governing my interaction with saints. They come with a problem, usually. And here's our mistake. We address the problem. But Brother Lee's way, which is becoming our way, is this. First, care for the person. Then, the problem. Actually, actually, Can we solve anyone's problem? I can't solve my own problems. (laughs) But if we are drawn into the problem and try to offer opinion or advice on the problem, we go nowhere. But if we, on these three levels, the sister mentioned, if we listen to the person and care for the person, the care for the person will become some kind of answer to the problem. So it's things like this. It's not a home message. It's not a conference or a training. It's not a book. One day I went up to Brother Samuel Chang in Eldon Hall. Some of us are old enough to remember who he was. Would he a priest if there ever was one? And I just wanted to share something with him. And he sensed that I wanted to share something with him. So after a meeting, he made himself available. And I just shared briefly. Then he answered me with one sentence. He said, Brother, the Lord will make you real. That was his answer. Now you consider that. That's both a prophecy and an exposure at the same time. Well, can I stand up on the platform in the summer training and address someone in seat 4,281 and say, The Lord will make you real? That would be embarrassing. But what, what kind of insight is this? I wasn't boasting to him. I thought I was experiencing something. And he realized I was experiencing nothing. <laughs> so I wasn't real. But he didn't say, Brother, you are deceived. You are misled. This is your subjectivity. This is a counterfeit experience. That is not real then where, where would that have left me? Right. But when he says, the Lord will make you real, I ponder on that. Okay. Make me real. That means I'm not. Okay. I now admit it. And my wife has helped me admit it. So thank you very much, dear, for this help. So I look forward to seeing Brother Samuel Chang. I have no idea where it will be and what it will be like I want to say to him Brother Samuel look look Uh the Lord made me real and and he might say I know I prayed for it I prayed for it so this is where we stop Yeah. yeah so you know once we get into this kind of thing we can go on for hours I find it Do you find it pleasant? I find it very pleasant. So maybe we can do more of this Saturday evening. We spend the whole evening with this, okay? Question and not answer, because answer implies I know the answer, but I can respond honestly. Then you can consider in the Lord to what extent you can take the response. All right? Good to see you. you. (laughs) Three kids.
5: kids.
4: (laughs) Do you get any sleep now? (laughs) Yeah, very good. Amen. Could we pray just a little bit? Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank
5: you for this time. Amen. Thank you for your presence. Amen. For your speaking in the
0: body.
5: Amen. And Lord, we love
0: you. Amen. Oh, we want you to flow more among us. Amen. 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 Right, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord, for this fellowship. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Amen. Oh, Lord, we just praise you. Oh, praise you for the life within us. Amen. Praise you for the life that's in the church life. Amen. Lord, we stand with you and we stand with one another. Amen. you would continue to grow in us. Amen. We would be those caring for the body. Amen. Shepherding the saints. Amen. Oh, Lord, cooperating with you. Amen. Lord, to meet your needs. Oh, Lord, we do love you. Amen. We do love the saints. Amen. Lord, we do pray for oh, each one of us. Yeah. You would take Amen. us on in life. Amen.
1: Amen.
3: Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. Lord, take each and every one on. Amen. Amen. Lord, pray for the building of the body here in this area. Amen. Amen. Pray for the, the time this week. Amen. Amen. Lord, we are out Amen. Amen. Thank you.
2: Amen. Amen. Amen.
5: Lord Jesus
3: amen. 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 amen Lord Jesus we love
2: you amen love your body amen thank you for your cherishing words amen your nourishing words. Amen. the growing up
3: hey amen thank you for uh, shepherding all of us amen. Amen. thank you for this time amen and thank you for your amen. amen all the same amen, amen. The same. amen. amen. Pray for the remainder of this week amen, amen your speaking, Amen. your care for every member of your body.
4: Amen. Lord, recover the universal shepherding, Amen. the shepherding in mutuality, Amen. and for this we pray, deepen our capacity to listen, Amen. to hear what the saints are saying and not saying, Amen. to hear what their spirit is saying. Amen. Thank you. This is the way you listen to us. That's why we love to talk to you. You hear what we're saying. You hear what we are not saying. What we cannot say. And even right now you are hearing what our spirit is saying. How can we not love you? How can we not abandon ourselves to you? Care for us according to your intention for the building up of the body of Christ. Meet all of our needs for the sake of your need. Grow in us unto maturity for the readiness of the bride. Bless your recovery in this part of the country. Bring in resurrection life everywhere. May there be springtime throughout New England. Destroy the work of the enemy. Turn death into life. Cause more and more dry land to appear. Contain the death waters. The land is visible again. We praise you. We're in this land together, Lord. Amen. Amen.